I've been to Bruges and one or two other Christmas markets. And when you see what they do over in Europe, we were bringing Mansfield up to that kind of a level. Father Christmas and Rudolph too are heading for Mansfield. Merry Christmas to you. Mansfield is a town in North Nottinghamshire. Welcome once again to Mansfield is a town in North Nottinghamshire. Um, it's a podcast about Mansfield, which is a town in North Nottinghamshire. For a moment there, I was going to say, which is a town in the North Pole, because this week our subject is Mansfield at Christmas. And uh, this episode will be presented by me, Robert Shaw, and as ever, my mum. Say hello, mum. Hello, mum. Very good. Very good. And... Um, we will shortly be talking to Bill Taylor, um, who is uh, one of the people who has uh, done so much to make Mansfield's Christmas lights um, such a special thing each year and something really to look forward to. And it's, uh, it's quite a story that he tells, which, which carries us from Norfolk to Frankfurt and um, tremendous effort uh, goes into creating these lights. And it's also a story about um, what communities can do when they act together in order to make something uh, really spectacular for themselves. Um, so it's a great, a great story. We will get to that in a moment. First of all, though, Mum, we're going to talk about Christmas past, aren't we? What are your memories of, of Christmas? Were you, as a girl, taken to see Santa in a department store anywhere? or No, I'm afraid not. No, I was never. I can't remember. I can't remember going into Mansfield or into a, an apartment so Santorin at all when I was small. No, I cannot remember that. Is that because your memory's rotten or because it didn't happen? Because it didn't happen. There we go. It's good to be clear on that. It's good to be clear. And so when was that? That was in about what year would that have been? About the year 1742. 1742, exactly. Exactly. And there was that AD <laughs> or BC? <laughs> AD. <laughs> Anyway, what was Christmas like, though, at home in Blidworth uh, in those uh, in the years running up to and throughout uh, the Second World War? What was it like? I always found Christmas uh, very, very. It was very plain, but I always found it very nice. You used to put your stocking up, which was quite small because you weren't going to get much. Uh, but you used to know that Santa was coming. So you put me sherry out, and uh, the next morning you'd got a little present and probably an apple, because it wasn't really, it was uh, virtually heading towards the war and the start of the war, of course, and so therefore it wasn't really a time when a lot was going off anyway. But I thought Christmas, it, it was good, it was all about carol singing, and uh, we saw that carol singing, and it was there was there was a really good feeling about it. I thought it was, I thought it was good. It was all about Christmas and Santa Claus, 
and things. It wasn't about the size of the peasant you was getting. So I felt that there was something special there. How about the size of the apple? Because uh, you, of course, had many sisters and brothers, many, many. Um, did it matter who got the biggest fruit or? No, you accept the one that you got in your stocking. The bigger your stocking, the bigger the apple. And you were you were fine about that because you had a bit of a reputation, really, among your siblings, didn't you? Yes, I was a bit naughty. Yeah. And if, uh, you know, Hilda got a larger apple? I'd have thrown mine at her. Good. Okay, well, anyway, there's a jolly Christmas story. Good. So we're going to go to that conversation now with Bill Taylor. And um, I started by asking Bill to tell me a bit about him. Here we go. Born and bred in Mansfield, um, just after the war. Uh, this is my home. This is where I live. I have been to other places, uh, but this is, for me, Mansfield is everything in my life. Um, I'm a qualified Qantas surveyor uh, and uh, in my later years, last 25 years of my working life, I ran a couple of businesses uh, in Mansfield in the construction industry, um, but I've always been connected with the business community. Uh, I found a member of Mansfield uh, 2010, uh, which is now uh, 2020, uh, which has played a vital part in uh, the regeneration of Mansfield. So um, uh, cut me in half, I'm Mansfield through and through. How did you become involved in the lights in Mansfield? Well, I mentioned earlier that uh, I was a founder member of uh, Mansfield 2010, and, and that was an organisation that came about um, around about the millennium, uh, and it was designed because uh, it was a group of business people who got together, and we lost, at a stroke, uh, 10,000 jobs in this region, uh, due to the coal pit closure program, uh, and uh, we just had to do something. And at that time, um, Mansfield District Council was Labour controlled, and we were at a meeting, a public meeting of 2010, when an announcement was made uh, by the council that um, because of budget constraints, there was going no longer going to be any Christmas lights in Mansfield uh, for the forthcoming Christmas period. Now, that I had an immediate knee-jerk reaction to that and said, and stood up on my feet and said to the chairman of the day, you, you really can't be that serious. Do you realise the impact it would have in Mansfield not having any Christmas lights? We have a population here of approximately 100,000 people and lights are expected, they help with the daytime footfall, and they also help with the nighttime economy as well. So it would be absolute suicide if we were not to have any Christmas lights. And on the back of that, I said, again, instantaneously, uh, I would like to start a fund to make sure that we've got some lights in Mansfield at Christmas. And I think I mentioned a sum at the time of something like £250, which in today's money would be at least a thousand quid, I would, I would guess. Uh, and a lot of my business colleagues immediately said, well, you know, we'll, we'll subscribe to that, we'll help with that, uh, because we do need to have, and we are going to have, uh, some lights in Mansfield. And so 
from then on, I remember the very first order that we placed for lights in Mansfield, I think it was something like £15,000. And I think we'd got at that time less than a thousand pounds in the pot. That was quite a bold move, uh, but I knew my business colleagues quite well. They knew me. Uh, I'm a determined kind of a guy. And together we set about getting funds together and we raised that money. And we did, we did have some lights in year one. It was quite heartwarming that, that not only businesses, but that individuals were sending in small amounts of money. But of course, it all counted. Is that, is that what mattered? And we got this feeling that people were, were getting on board. And then there were some key moments then in the development because uh, around about the millennium, uh, there was a change in the local council. It was no longer led uh, by a Labour Party. Uh, it was run by the independents and there was a breath of fresh air that was rolling through the town in many fronts and, and they really got behind us and helped us and it grew. There were some local business champions at that time um, as well as the council, the, the college, the local college, which is now developed university status. They, they saw the benefit. They had some premises in the town, so they helped us as well. And then there was uh, people like uh, Jepson Shopfitters uh, and Kath Jepson, who had been a stalwart and still is a stalwart in the development of Mansfield. There's the Linney Group, uh, and like I said, the Four Seasons Shopping Centre. They came on board with some funding. Local solicitors, Hopkins and Son in particular, um, the Queen Elizabeth Trust, Hostess Restaurant, Glenair, a whole host of different people. Uh, that was key players in the town were quite happy to to put money in and help the business community alongside individuals uh, because they all recognised the importance and they all saw what was potentially uh, a good move as far as Mansfield were concerned. Now, from my perspective, I I effectively was really just the catalyst. I was the link between the business sector uh, uh, and local authority. I was the conduit uh, through which everything kind of kind of went, coupled with with my obvious passion, which is for uh, for Christmas. Because at the end of the day, it's not just about business. Um, it's a family time. Um, I, I love to be with family. We come together. And we just switch off and enjoy each other's company. Uh, and we eat, drink, and sometimes we get merry. Now, the other key factor was that we had Diana Hobson of the Town Centre Partnership on board. And it was a time of change where, because of the coal pit programme or the closure programme, there was European money available. And she managed to access some uh, economic redevelopment funding uh, quite a substantial amount, and that helped us to kickstart and buy in um, some some new lights. So we'd started small, and and we, we sort of rolled it out across the town. And one of the, the factors very early on was there was a local businessman called uh, John Sankey who had been to Norfolk 
uh, to a place called Holt. And, and he had seen as a village what they had achieved with what he called a white light theme. So the whole place was just white lights, very classy, and it looked amazing. And I actually went over to have a look. And I thought, well, what a good idea this would be, something completely different. And so we started off and we bought some new decorations, some cross street decorations. Um, and of course, in them days, it was the old rope light, um, tungsten. Uh, and the, the rope light was merely bent around different shapes to create an image up in the sky against a, a dark backdrop. And then we started to do streets, uh, streets with strings of lights down them, across them, and all manner of things. And it looked really, really classic. And we stayed with that for maybe three, four years. Um, we had, we've always had the big tree uh, in the marketplace, uh, but um, again, it was becoming expensive. So we appealed to local businesses for sponsorship. And I think the very first business that, that actually pledged to, to, to and bought the Christmas tree was a company, local company, still going, uh, which was called um, MBS Interiors, and they sponsored the very first tree. And we've had sponsorship uh, from other people down the years, and they've sponsored lights, they've sponsored all manner of things. So the partnership was starting to work very, very well, and we were expanding the scheme. And so we formed um, effectively the Christmas Lights Committee, which I headed up, and that was that was composed of people from the business, local newspaper, um, and the Four Seasons team, the centre management, uh, and all of that stuff. So we'd gone then from a switch on in 2002 of a thousand-ish people, uh, and we very and that was that was covered by Radio Nottingham. Mansfield's in North Nottinghamshire, and Radio Nottingham reaches not at Mansfield, of course, but we then got a fledgling, relatively fledgling local radio station called Mansfield 103.2. And, and I said to them at one of the meetings, we ought to have our local radio on board to help us with this switch on. And that was the beginning of another addition to the partnership. And since then, I mean, 103.2 have been amazing. Um, we later on held auctions, I'll come on to that later. Um, but we were trying to be innovative. We were trying to get new pieces erected. We, we even had a laser show back in 2003, which was really at the cutting edge of technology. It was ahead of the game uh, and I'd seen this, but of course, we were then looking at purchasing stuff all the time. And back in those days, we used to have catalogues, uh, which we used to acquire from the various main manufacturers. Um, an engineer that had worked at Mansfield before, a guy called Andy Powers, uh, was over in working in Nottingham and he came back to Mansfield. So him and I teamed up and immediately we hit it off and uh, we were singing off the same page from day one. So Andy and I used to look through these catalogues and, and start to do some planning. And we used to go to the uh, what was then the main fair in the UK, which was over in Harrogate. Uh, and it, it was in February. 
And at this fair, all the latest stuff was on show from all the major suppliers in the UK. And, and that's where we started to get some really solid ideas. Um, and so we developed the schemes. We had additional funding. The council then started to put more money in. Uh, and so we then engaged with some contractors to help us with the installation. Bearing in mind, we've got a small team in, uh, in, uh, at our disposal at MDC. And this scheme was getting far too big for us. And so we brought in a contractor and we went through that phase for about three years. But we used their uh, technical teams. We used their uh, product innovation teams. They came to Mansfield. I remember meeting them and we used to walk the town and we used to look at, at what we'd, we'd been doing. And we had certain ideas and could they help us with certain schemes? And that went very well for about a period of about three years. But Andy and I then started to look in a little bit more detail as to what they were doing, how they were doing it and what it was costing. And we then decided uh, around about 2005, 2006, that perhaps we could do this equally as well, if not better, by doing it in-house. And again, another milestone was around about that time, um, I went to see Tony Delahunty, the managing director of 103.2, and said, look, Tony, um, we need to make this scheme bigger. We need funding. Um, what's the chances of, of holding an auction on the radio uh, to raise funds for the Christmas lights? And he agreed. And, and it was an amazing response from um, the community, the businesses, uh, and we used to run an auction from eight o'clock in the morning, believe it or not, eight o'clock in the morning till seven o'clock at night. And we were auctioning off every hour different items that were listed with the help of the local chat advertiser, the local paper. So people could buy the paper, could see in advance what, what offers were coming up at certain times of the day. And if they'd got an interest, they could bid for it. And you can imagine then that as the day went on, the better prizes, if you like, were coming to the fore and it built up quite a frenzy. I mean, we had bizarre things like we had a, a sports car given to us. I think we got about 7,000 quid at one stage for that. Um, one of the town centre management team put together a wedding package whereby people won a wedding package where locally they could have the photograph taken, the venue, the wedding cars the cake, all put together by local people, the dress, everything. And, and again, we got something like five or 6,000 quid for that. So it created an awful lot of interest. And this went on uh, year two, year three. Um, and overall, in that time, we, uh, we raised about 50,000 quid. And all of that money went in to the fund to allow us to buy more stock so it elevated us to a, again another level so Andy and I got our heads together and said uh, I wonder if we can just expand our thinking a little bit let's have a look at what really is available and there is a fair in Frankfurt every February it's called the Frankfurt Mess now this is a, an exhibition that's bigger than the NEC um, 
And so we, with a bit of help from local businessmen again, uh, we went over to visit Frankfurt Mess, spent two days over there, a night and two days. And I remember going into the Frankfurt Mess Hall, and it was just like an Aladdin's cave. I have never seen Christmas lights so beautiful, so very well laid out, so innovative in all my life. And we were like two kids in a candy shop. We were running around, uh, looking at what was available, picking up new ideas. And from that, we actually bought uh, later on some new pieces of kit, which was way, way in front of what we'd seen locally. It's still in being today. It was LED. We'd moved away then from tungsten into LED. And it, we went from LED to LED static. And we've now got computer controlled baubles and lights all over Mansfield, whereby we can set the colors, seven different colors. We can set the sequence. And it just creates a whole new ball game uh, in terms of you know what you can achieve with a little bit of planning and a little bit of forethought. And, and even to the point now where we don't put baubles on the tree anymore, we've got some uh, LED baubles again that change color. So people are now coming into town, standing in front of the tree, and then just taking either photographs or videos because, and then they're going around the street, they're taking the kids around different streets and they're taking photographs. And I put it on a level with, I mean, I've, brewed, I've been to Bruges and one or two other Christmas markets. And when you see what they do over in Europe, we were bringing Mansfield up to that kind of a level because latterly, uh, just before COVID, we had, a, we had an ice rink for a year. That was an amazing event again very forthright by the, the council. They they picked up the bill. Um, a lot of people thought it was a waste of money, but, you know, I thought it was a brilliant idea for Mansfield. And then, of course, the bid then introduced um, the Christmas market. So the whole event was moving from a very small beginnings into a full-on switch-on event, which we've, we had pre-COVID. And, of course, we're going to have it again this year. Now, we used to get eight, nine, 10,000 people in the marketplace for switch on event. It was hosted by 103.2. It was put together by MDC and business partners. And we had a whole event going on from three o'clock in the afternoon with stage shows, choirs, brass bands, culminating with this amazing switch on uh, included in that often has been a laser show. And then we have this fantastic firework display. And all of this has happened from those very humble beginnings. And of course, families, which was always the objective, were teaming into town as a, a treat, as a, a precursor to the beginning of Christmas. And of course, we had, we had the, the man in the big red suit on the stage. We had all the Christmas carols. We had a snow machine. And so all of this, uh, is really now what we've got here in Mansfield. And bear in mind that back in the 90s, we were just a, a dirty, horrible, grubby mining time, according to a lot of people. There's an awful lot of planning that goes into this. And I'd just like to just touch on, on how we put it all together, because 
Um, every year we, we had a local photographer who used to work for the newspaper, he's now retired, a guy called Roger Grayson. And he used to photograph every piece, every street, and put it on a disc for us. And so Andy and I used to sit down um, in February and go through all of these photographs, looking at these street features, looking at was it good enough? Could we improve it? How can we change things around? So it was an absolutely fantastic opportunity for us to, to do some in-depth planning. And then, of course, we'd be placing orders based upon the budget that we'd got. So we were placing orders in good time. But as well as that, there's also an application that has to be forwarded to the local authority, Notts County Council. We have to fill out about a 25-page document detailing all of the pieces, what we're going to do, where we're going to do it. We have to submit test details because of uh, all the, 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 the tests that we have to do on the holding blocks and, and bolts for the cross street decorations. We have to submit a calculation for the energy that we're, go that we're going to consume. That's all the wattage, converting that into kilowatt hours uh, to give an indication of, of what it was all going to cost. Um, and then we start with the erection process uh, around about September and then we get the switch on in late November. So we're really working on it from February through to November, and there's an awful lot to be done, trust me. But um, we've also have to look at health and safety issues because to do a public display in today's world, you can't just rack up and do it. There's all sorts of things that we have to do. We look at the location of the isolators and... Uh, where the junction boxes are gonna go making sure they're secure. We have to protect all the equipment from the elements and all of these things, the anchor points have to be planned as I've said. So it's really very a robust approach. Uh, and then of course, finally, we then have to do a, a risk assessment uh, and, and look at everything associated with what we're doing uh, to mitigate uh, any potential risk. Uh, and then of course, finally, You've then got a full event planning process that goes off, which involves the local authority and uh, all of the business partners and the police and the ambulance and all of that stuff. Massive meeting that goes on about a week before. So everybody knows exactly what's going to happen, because if you're going to get eight and ten thousand people in one single place, it has to be safe. It has to be well marshaled. It has to be controlled. Um, but it's really, really well worth it. But that's how it's evolved over that sort of 20, 20 year period. Um, I'm quite proud of, of where we're at. Um, I'm quite proud that we've managed the change as we've gone through from tungsten to LED uh, and then obviously to computer controlled um, pieces. We've now got uh, a new light tunnel which goes on display this year. I think we've had it pre-COVID. So everybody has bought into it. And of course, it's now under the control of the, uh, uh, the town centre manager, Julie Snowden, who again, um, a few years ago, was drafted in a, in a new role. She very much uh, adhered herself to what we were trying to do. Uh, she embraced it. She's worked really hard to make it happen. And... Uh, if I was to summarise it, it's, it's a passion of mine that was sparked by that event. 
which then through a 20 year period, through everybody in the town who have pulled together, every organization, every single individual to give Mansfield what it deserves. So that was Bill Taylor. Thanks to Bill for talking us through the history of uh, the revival of Mansfield rights. It's a great story and inspiring, I think. So, Mum, you have some great memories of Mansfield at Christmas, of course. It's a, a fine place for celebrations. You you once witnessed some special scenes in the streets of Mansfield, I think, um, on Christmas Eve. You, you were coming home from working at Mansfield uh, Meals on Wheels, I think. Yes, I was. I was working for, for the Meals on Wheels. And it was about three o'clock in the afternoon. And uh, I knew that I was going to uh, have to get home quickly. So I was going to go to uh, Southall Minster in the evening. So therefore, I went into the centre to buy a few bits. I knew I'd got to go into Tesco because I'd got to get home. And as I went into the centre, there was such a lot going off. There was the, the pubs used to close at three o'clock at that time. And there was an awful lot of drunkards. They were young people and they were rushing about and they were going into the shops and being an absolute nuisance generally. And I think the police had been sent for because bear in mind, by the time I got there, the police was already in the centre. And then suddenly everything was closed down. Both ends of the centre was closed down. So they couldn't get out. And then the... Everyone was thrown out of the shops, these drunkards, and the Tesco's, and not Tesco's, it was um, Boots, and Debenhams brought their shutters down. And so we were stuck there with these drunks and the police trying to control the whole situation. And I was there, and all I wanted to do was get out and get to the shops so I could get home. And I said to this policeman, for goodness sake, let me out, because I need to get home. And eventually I got out anyway, and I got into Tesco's. And I thought, well, I think I'd better buy some steaks and do a quick meal, because time was getting on then. And as I went towards the freezers, I got some good steaks out. And uh, But the lady from Tesco's came along, she said, put them back. So I'm going to put them down to half price now, because we're closing very shortly. So I put them down ready to pick them up again when they'd been at the price fixed. And she ch ch put them down to half price. And as I went to pick them up, the lady at the side of me or behind me, suddenly my head was pushed into the freezer and she was taking my steaks. Because suddenly at half price, she wanted them. And I, I turned to her and I, I, with my head right up because I now was really being pushed. I said, for goodness sake, have them, you know, just just let me out. But the lady from Tesco's came along and took them off of her and and uh, we reprimanded her and gave me my my steaks back and apologised to me profusely. And so therefore I got out of the store and I thought, I think I'd better go and ring somebody. And there was a there was a telephone booth close by because the telephone booths were there then because people didn't have mobile phones. And as I went towards the phone, the phone booth, I couldn't believe it. There was someone inside there using it as a toilet. So enough was enough. So I made my way onto Church Street 
I thought I'd catch a bus, I'll, I'll go home. And as I stood by the bus stop waiting, the shop at the side had got this beautiful Santa Claus in it, and it was £20. And I got £20 left, so I went in and I bought it. And so I ended up with these cheap steaks, £20, and no money left, very tired, and then I went home. But it was memorable. That is a beautiful Christmas story, and I think uh, everybody will love to hear that. And, uh, and you know, we do overlook the fact that, you know, phone booths used to be really useful for use as public lavatories as well as, you know, because you often can't find a public lavatory when you need one now. If we still had phone boxes, there'd be less of a problem, wouldn't there? <laughs> there we go. So, Mum, as ever, to end this episode of the podcast, you're going to do some singing for us. Um, you know, people would not be happy if you if you didn't. And uh, it's Christmas. Has anybody mentioned that? It's going to be Christmas soon. And so I've asked you to pick your favourite um, Christmas song or carol um, to perform for us now. And uh, what have you selected? Holy Night. Okay. Is that what it's called? I'm not sure, really. But anyway, let's hear it. You'll recognise it. Maybe. Holy night, silent night. All is gone, all is gone. Round yon virgin mother and child. That's as far as I can go. Yeah. Uh-huh.